Good morning. This past week, for most of you know, it's been sort of a up and down roller coaster for us as a family. And as I was getting ready for the sermon this morning, I want to say thank you to Dale uh, for teaching a Sunday school class on the spur of the moment. Uh, I'd always said I wouldn't preach and teach the same Sunday. And uh, he caught that yesterday and thought, well, maybe I better check this lesson out. He said, Caleb preached and taught the same Sunday, and Tyler did, and maybe it's coming at becoming a trend. And well, it's not becoming a trend on my end, so uh, that's not happening. So uh, we are counting a lot of blessings this morning. Marianne's not here this morning. Uh, Lemon Jess, we're at our place. Uh, for a few days and she's not been doing the best and so she was there to help get things ready so they could head for home. They wanted to get out before uh, beach traffic. And I said, you got a good day to go because it's a beautiful day. So people are gonna sit at the beach as long as they can sit. So if you can get going, you got a good chance. So just a lot of things going on at our house. Uh, this morning, I'm going back to the same phrase, what manner of man is this? Uh, I think this is, I didn't count them. It's either six or seven in this series that I've done on what manner of man is this, starting with Matthew, <clears throat> where the disciples were in the boat, and they said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? And we've come through a bunch of them. And this morning, the title of a king. The kingship of Jesus. And I found it interesting that in this, uh, he is not listed as a king of anything in the Old Testament. He's mentioned. He is portrayed as uh, he is told the, the prophet or the, the Samuel said to, to David or in 2 Samuel he said that he will be a king after your lineage but he never says you are. And so this morning I want to do, there's seven of them uh, and you can change it, you can make your own list. Uh, I went to, uh, found the, the message from, uh, or the thing he said, uh, what's his name, Soul, Soul Ridge or something, and he mentions, my king is a sevenfold king, uh, and he's got a couple different ones in there, so you can name a few, you can probably come up with a few extras too. But the, mine came, I, I came up with the ones, uh, and I don't know, you know, like I said, you can, you can change them, add to them. Uh, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the king over the earth, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, the king of glory, and the king of kings. And I want to start with that last one just as an opening, Revelations chapter 19. 
verses 11 to 16. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he that judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name on it is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of, the mouth, out of his mouth came a sharp sword, that with it he could smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the, of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what he will be someday. I want to go back to the other titles. And we'll come back to that one for just a little bit at the very end. But he is listed as the king of the Jews. And it's only mentioned twice. Uh, it's mentioned at his birth, and it's mentioned at his death. It's the only two times it's mentioned as he is king of the Jews. Uh, the wise men at his birth came, and what did they tell Herod? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And it's created a massive stir in Jerusalem. Herod was king of the Jews, and now this baby is born also known as king of the Jews. It's his royalty being passed down. Uh, the Magi, as close as we can tell, the only scriptures they had would have been the Old Testament, and the only ones they were looking at were probably the ones in Isaiah and in Micah, where it talks about a child being born that will reign and rule in righteousness. And so they came to Jerusalem and they knocked on King Herod's door and they said, where is this guy that's born king of the Jews? And Herod wasn't expecting a baby under his lineage, so I'm sure he was wondering where this kid was too. Where did this child come from? Where did these guys come from? And that's the first mention of it. And the only other time it's mentioned is on the crucifixion where Pilate wrote, he said, I am the king of the Jews. And the, the scribes and Pharisees said, change that that he said, I am. And Pilate said, and it's the only time Pilate, from my perspective, had any, any guts in him when he said, what I wrote, I wrote. And he left it at that. He would not change that saying, the king of the Jews. Uh, and Pilate's writing, you find that in Matthew chapter seven, uh, 27 and Mark chapter 15, he talks about that. And in chapter 19 is where he has his declaration that what I've written, I have written. It all comes down through one family line. It starts all the way back. Uh, I started at Abraham, but it actually starts before Abraham. It actually starts with Seth. Uh, 
and then moves on down through Abraham. And then the promise was given to David in Isaiah chapter 33. And it talks there about a king in his splendor. Doesn't, doesn't mention who this king is. Doesn't say, it just says the king in his splendor. The second one is the king of, of Israel. And that one was given only twice, I think, is all it's given also. And the first person who said that was Nathaniel. When he was introduced, he said, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And, God, and Jesus said to him, just because I said I saw you under the fig tree, is that why you're saying this? Uh, but Nathaniel was the one who said, you are the king of Israel. And if you go down a little further, on Palm Sunday, uh, and I had the privilege to preach that sermon, when the crowds gathered and were coming together, and this is in John 12, when they were coming together, doing it, what was their saying? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and it ends with, and the king of Israel. And it created a stir. And when I think about the Roman soldiers standing there looking, watching, listening, and saying, the king of Israel? And this is just a mere crowd. We're ruling this place. What, what is this? And they were so used to seeing major disruptions uh, over holidays. The Jews could create all kinds of trouble over their holidays. In 2 Samuel, and I'm going to turn to that one, chapter 7. Uh, come on, come apart. He makes the, this is the promise to David of believe yeah this is the promise to david pages don't want to come apart he says he says in verse 12 he says to and when thy days be fulfilled and thou sleep with thy fathers. He's talking to David at this point. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house. And this is talking about Solomon here. He shall build a house. But then when you get down to verse uh, 16, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Couldn't have been Solomon he was talking about because it was going to be forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. It's always going to be, and at that point, it's the king of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it talks about his kingdom being without an end. But it doesn't name him. It doesn't say Jesus. It doesn't say he is king of. It just says he will be a ruler. 
and he will rule forever, and his kingdom will be without end. I want to turn to Zechariah chapter 14. And this, Zechariah 14 and Revelations 19 are almost mirror images of each other. Uh, if you study prophecy at all, you will catch that the two go together very well. Uh, if you don't do a lot of prophecy studying, it doesn't seem like they quite match. But in Zechariah chapter 14, king over all the earth, he starts out, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem in battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses wrapped, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And if you think about the Old Testament, there were a number of times where God said, just stand still and watch. I will do the fighting. And that's what he means here. As he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great valley, and half the mountain shall be moved toward the north and half toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Aziel. Yea, ye shall, also, ye shall flee like ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of, of Uzziah, the king of, of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be, shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not one day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it, sh it shall be in that day that the living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. And the, one of those is listed as the Red Sea and the other one is listed as the Mediterranean Sea. In summer and in winter it shall be, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. The whole earth is filled with his, his glory. And in that day there shall be one Lord and his name shall be one. He will be king over all the earth. And when you think about it, as of, and the day we live in today, we, have, we are talking about two separate, different, distinct kingdoms when Jesus came he came as a as a king with redemption in mind he is our savior and our lord he did not come that first time as a king as ruler revelation talks about him ruling the nations with a rod of iron uh, in the day we live in today and back when he was proclaimed, it was proclaimed as, uh, in Isaiah, as Emmanuel, God with us. And that's where it is today, God with us. So we're living in the redemption side of the kingdom right now. We're not living, and I hope not to be here, uh, if I understand scripture right, I won't be here when uh, the rule part of the kingdom hits. 
when God's wrath is poured out and Christ comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came to preach the kingdom of God. And that, I think uh, James preached a series on the kingdom of God and it is like unto. And it lists some, I think Luke has probably eight or nine listings of the kingdom of God is like unto. Uh, Matthew lists a couple. Uh, the kingdom of God is. And that's what Christ came to preach. He came to preach the kingdom of God, the good news to us that the kingdom of God is here. And that's what he has given us as a church the responsibility to do. We are to proclaim that kingdom. Uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Uh, the gospel is for the world. It's to be given out. It's not for us to keep. It's not for us to sit on. It's not for us to hang on to with a clenched fist. It is to be given out as a, re as a redemption. In that same, the other kingdom of that is a reigning kingdom. And that one is future when he will be the government and he will rule with a rod of iron and it will be just and it will be fair, there will be no uh, what ifs. It's gonna be direct. God's gonna say, or Jesus is gonna say while he's ruling is this is the way it's gonna be. And what I find so interesting is there is a thousand year reign of Christ where all is well and good. And at the end of that thousand year reign, man immediately turns his back on God. It is such a, a clear picture of the children of Israel going through the wilderness, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet this miracle created this murmuring, this miracle created this murmuring, and it just went on and on and on. It was there. It was as near perfect as it could get. Shoes didn't wear out. Clothes didn't wear out. They had the sun, they had the cloud to cover them for shade during the day. And they had a fire by night to, to give them light. And yet, they didn't see God in it. And during that thousand year reign, when he is reigning at that point, man will still. When that rain is over, turn his back on God. And then everything will go, go crazy from that point. The fourth and the fifth one go right together. He is the king of righteousness and he is also the king of peace. And those two come out of Hebrews chapter 7 where... Uh, he met, or the actual story goes all the way back to Abraham when he met Melchizedek. And it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem. And what I found really interesting was, and if you've noticed it before, bless your hearts for seeing it, but I'd never noticed it before. But when the king of Salem came out, what did he do? He offered Abraham bread and wine. The communion symbol. It's the first time that that hit me that those two go together. 
Melchizedek. He was a king, and yet in Hebrews he says he was a priest. And so in, in Genesis he was a king and a priest, and he came and offered Abraham bread and wine. The communion symbols. King of Salem is listed as king of peace. That's where Jerusalem gets its name. Uh, it was a city of peace, or supposedly, and it was anything but that over the, over the centuries. And Melchizedek shows up. And in Hebrews it says he was neither father nor mother without beginning or end. Who else is there? besides Jesus, that is without beginning or end. He's the only one. He is a king of righteousness. And if you want to put it real simple, he will always do what is right for us. Not necessarily what is right for us as we think is right but he will do what is right for us when he thinks it's right Abraham at the time of, of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah he said if there's you won't destroy the righteous with the with the unrighteous if there's 50 there you'll save them won't you well, you know, he got all the way down to 10. But when he was at the 50, he said, the judge of all the earth will do right. He will do what's right. Well, you all know the story. Abraham couldn't come up with 50 and he 40. He actually got all the way down. He couldn't even come up with five in that city. And God said, you need to go because I'm going to destroy it. Now, there's not that many there. And yet he allowed Lot and his, and his wife and two daughters to walk out. He allowed them to leave. So uh, there's a few instances like that that make me believe that uh, we aren't going to be here when the wrath of God is poured out. But he will do what is right for us according to him. And he is also the king of peace. And I wanted to thank Luena for that song this morning, Count Your Many Blessings. As bad as it is, it could always be worse. And if you don't think so, just talk to the people in eastern Ukraine. They can tell you, as bad as you think it is, it can always be worse. I always said to, when people have said, you know, they were having a bad day, and <clears throat> they don't, I said, you know, it could always be worse. And one guy looked at me and he said, how? And I said, have you ever thought about being in a hospital bed with an apparatus on your head stretching you that way and an apparatus on your feet stretching you that way? And he thought a little bit and he said, I guess it could be worse. Because there's always somebody out there that is worse off than I am. 
And that's why we like to compare ourselves among ourselves. That way we can have pity parties. Uh, and uh, God doesn't like pity parties. So he gives us peace. Uh, the calmness that only he can give. John 14, 27 says, My peace I give to you, and it's not like the world gives. It's a totally different peace. The sixth one is the king of glory. And I went into Psalms, and it's amazing, Psalms 22, 3, and 4 are Psalms of, that describe his life. 22 is a, is a very vivid description of the crucifixion. Psalms 23 is a very vivid description of life, if we trust him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it goes from there. How he takes care of us. And Psalms 24 is the coronation, where he is made the king of glory. Mark chapter 16, when he is standing out in the, uh, when he goes with them out to the Mount of Olives and he's getting ready to ascend, Mark says, and he is ascending to the right hand of God. Uh, Stephen says, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. His coronation when he went, uh, I'm going to read Psalms 24. It's just, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read the last, I think it's three verses. Uh, but it's an interesting. It's an interesting psalm. He says, We'll start at verse uh, 6. This is the generation of them that seek him and seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And then he repeats it again. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. When he returns, it's going to be a coordination like never before. He's going to come back as the king of glory. Uh, Paul refers to him in Ephesians chapter 1. He says that he is above his name is above every name and in philippians chapter 2 he talks about him being highly exalted uh, there's nobody like him never was never will be and the last one is the king of kings and this is his final title there's no title given after this one because there's no need for another one who needs a title after you are titled, given the title of King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. There is no other title. When you think about it, we've seen a lot of, our generation hasn't, but we've seen a lot of people come and go. If you read history, you have Nebuchadnezzar and the uh, Chaldeans conquering the world. Uh, you have uh, the Medes and the Persians conquering the world. You have Alexander the Great conquering the world. You have the Romans. And then you have the dictators that we know of and have heard of. But not a single one of them has a king or a kingdom that is still standing. They have all fallen. They have all failed and they will all fail. Even our present day government sometime along the way is going to fall. It will need to fall for there to be one world government. And at the end of that one world government, there's going to be a white horse with a rider coming out of heaven. And on his vest and on his thighs is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I have a, just a tail end of this one thing that I would like to read. I normally don't read stuff, but this is from... Uh, Dr. Lock, Lockridge's message, and it's just the very end. I wish I could describe him to you, but he is indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off your hands, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimony to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And however many evers you want to put on the end of that. Amen. There will never be another king like our King Jesus. Right now, it's a time of redemption. But there is a time coming when he will be king of kings and lord of lords. Father, we just thank you for the promise that is ours. That you are the king of kings. Right now, we see you as a redeemer, as a savior of mankind. But the time will come when you will rule, and you will rule forever as king of kings and lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen.
message as I thought about what he is king of kings and lord of lords of one of the things I